city weather intoxicates me with its sunny afternoons. Hello, welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly podcast about culture, news, and stuff from the most sports-loving city between Oakland and Orlando. We're going to be talking about a new name for Invesco Field, Mayor Hancock's rocky start, and Denver sports that we actually give a shit about. I'm Jared Jukang Mayor, and I am here with Ron Doyle, local writer and web developer. Hi, Ron. Hey, hey there. Uh, how's it going? Good. Oh, we're going to do some... We're going to do this is banter. Banter. This I like that early banter. banter. This yeah. is nice. Vanessa Martinez was supposed to join us uh, to record this, but there was some kind of mishap with... Uh, her not being able to pick up a shipment of cantaloupes. She, she's being a good locavore, it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, th- I thought it sounded kind of sketchy. There's a package <laughs> she's supposed to pick up down in southern Colorado, mm. perhaps near the border. I, I didn't ask too many questions. But anyway, uh, let's get to our first topic. We're going to be talking about uh, a potential renaming of Invesco Field. Ron, uh, tell us w- what's the background on this. Well, uh, since 2001, uh, when... Invesco Field at Mile High became the Broncos' new stadium. We've had Invesco as the sponsor. They paid $140 million to get that the naming rights. And now uh, Sports Authority, which used to be Gart Brothers uh, and Gart Sports, is now in, the, in negotiations to pay $150 million over the next 25 years to take the naming rights away from Invesco and take over Mile High Stadium. And I remember what a humongous controversy this was when the new stadium was being built because people just wanted to keep it as Mile High Stadium because that's just it was just such an iconic name and so, you know, even John Hickenlooper, that's kind of like how he got his start in sort of being involved in politics was running a campaign to make sure that they were going to keep the name Mile High on Mile High Stadium. And what we got, of course, was Invesco Field at Mile High Stadium. You know, no, one, no one really says, like, the Mile right. High Stadium at the end. But what even is – do we even know what Invesco is anymore? I have no idea. I, I never knew. I didn't care. I mean, now it's become comfortable. It's it's only got three syllables, so it's not too hard to say. So it felt okay. But – I have no. I didn't even know it was a company. I thought it was just a weird name they made up for it. I mean, I, think, I assume they're an investing company based on the name. It sounds, or or it's some sort of pharmaceutical drug. I'm well, not sure. It was. It was interesting when they first bought the naming rights. Of course, this was in the high flying days of the stock market pre Enron things like that. And they actually did provide consumer investing services for regular individuals. And then at some point, they had some buyout by this other company. And they they actually moved their offices out. They closed their offices in Denver, and they were based somewhere in like Atlanta. And the, and the actual name of Invesco, there there really wasn't a company named Invesco anymore. But I guess a, according to this uh, this Denver Post article, it does seem like Invesco does now at least do something for consumer services. But at the same time, it's like having this stadium in Denver being named for them. It's probably not that great of a value in terms of marketing anymore no i think i think it's really awkward it doesn't make any sense and i think that's part probably why the whole deal is on the table in the first place i mean they paid a lot of money to get this they're probably taking a huge loss to get out and sports authority just happens to be in the right place to take advantage of it i mean yeah it was such a big deal when it happened back i mean i don't know if you remember this but the denver post used to refuse to call it invesco (laughs) 
they wouldn't do it. For the longest time, they would call it Mile High Stadium. And lots, lots of people still argue that whenever we voted to build the new stadium, that part of the agreement was to keep it as Mile High. Yeah, because this is uh, funded in part by taxpayers through tax breaks and other incentives to be able to build this goddamn thing, and then the ownership uh, group gets to cash out in this particular way. But uh, I, I think we can just bury that hatchet because this is sort of a, a complaint that will never end the renaming of uh, stadiums as very stupid things, i.e. comfort dental amphitheater. But uh, the, ne- <laughs> the, the worst of all, the worst, the worst of all. But Sports Authority, what do you what do you think about that? Renaming? I, I think Sports Authority is better than Invesco. Uh, if you're going to choose a company, at least it's local now. I mean, people don't even call Sports Authority Sports Authority. They still call it Garts. So the name, I don't know if it even matters anymore. It, it's gotten so weird. It reminds me of that Simpsons episode where they went to Africa and they're on the way, they're in the plane and the flight attendant comes out and she says, Attention passengers, please prepare for our landing in Tanzania. I'm sorry, it is now called New Zanzibar. Excuse me, it is now called Pepsi Presents New Zanzibar. This brand happy thing that's going on in America in general, where we all want to call something by a special brand name. I mean, I went to the Denver's first Ciclovia today, where they shut down 23rd Avenue from City Park to Stapleton. Lots of fun. I have no idea what it was called because it was Live Well Colorado and Denver Bicycles Presents uh, Viva Streets. And I, <laughs> like, I don't know what that is. I always wonder. I sometimes wonder with some of these companies and uh, entities that are paying this large amount of money in order to just have something named for them. I mean, what type of, for example, will it be worth Sports Authority? How much did you say? One hundred and fifty. One hundred and fifty million dollars over the next year. twenty-five years, and it really sounds like they're doing it just to make Denver residents stop calling their store Garts. <laughs> That's yeah. all the only reason why. They want us to recognize who they are. They've only been here since 2003. They bought they merged with Garts in 2003. They changed all the names in 2006 and they don't have a lot of brand recognition yeah. and they're the second largest sporting company in the country. Yeah. Yeah, and Garts Garts of course for people who uh only recently moved to Denver this was the kind of iconic sporting goods retailer of Denver started up here the Gart brother family. Uh, you know, some of those guys are still around and, and have a lot of money to throw around, but they're not involved with uh, Sports Authority or any of the stores anymore, the actual Gart family. No, they're not anymore. They're, they're separated. Uh, the company's merged, but they're now doing their own thing. Um, so it is distinct. I mean, I don't know. It used to be called Bear Stadium. So Okay, anyway, <laughs> let's, let's move on to our next topic. And this is one that I was just thinking about. Mayor Michael Hancock, who was only in, what's the word I'm looking for? Sworn in, sworn to in office. Uh, there just, it is. just about a month ago. And he's just had this series of really bad, I wouldn't call them really bad, but there are these kerpuffles within the media. Uh, the latest one is that he had one of his press secretary, they'd made a demand for reporters that when they go to meet with them that they wouldn't be allowed to use recording devices. They can only write things down. And after they got criticized, they recoiled on that. Then there was the just a few weeks ago, there was a story about how he was paying his political appointees uh, a significant amount more than his predecessor did. And we can talk a little bit more about that. And then, of course, there was the one that happened before he even got elected, having to do with an alleged prostitution connection, that uh, story that kind of went nowhere. But his team seemed to have mishandled that and, and perhaps caused that mini scandal to go on longer than it 
than it otherwise would have. But maybe, Ron, uh, talk a little bit about this issue about the political appointee and pay. It's it's really interesting to me when you actually look at the numbers. I mean, the, the argument here is that he's paying for 39 appointees, he is paying a million dollars more than Hickenlooper was paying that same 30 group of 39. But when you actually look at the numbers, when you get down to it, there's really not a huge change. Uh, the one, the big thing that I'm noticing here is like boards and commissions was getting paid $45,000 a year and it's jumped up to 68. That's a 50, almost a 48% increase, almost a 50% increase. That's a huge change. Whereas other groups like Greenprint Denver is getting a big knock, 23% down. Uh, community initiatives is down 12%. The senior, the legislative director is down 18%. Those are big changes. And what I can't figure out by looking at the numbers is he is he trying to shift from the mayor's office controlling these different programs like Greenprint Denver and the community liaison projects and all that stuff to letting boards and commissions handle it. I mean, the boards and commissions are cool. I mean, it's like the Bicycling Advisory Committee, Denver Asian Pacific American Commission. If Who knew we had one, but that's sweet. Uh, D- Denver Commission on Aging. Is he trying to just put more money into those? Or is it just that he's paying off the people that helped to get him in office? I can't tell by looking at the numbers. Well, the, the, the reason why this is such a big deal, of course, is you know a million dollars more for uh, salaries wouldn't be such a big deal if the economy weren't totally awful. Exactly. High unemployment and in an era where there's been several years where the city of Denver has had to cut millions and millions and millions of dollars out of its budget – uh, Hickenlooper, or I'm sorry, Hancock, of course, said in, in response, or at least his uh, representative said, well, we are paying more because we're actually requiring a lot of these appointees to take on more tasks and do more work. And right. so we're going to want to pay for so more quality. For, for example, the senior advisor to the mayor is now getting paid over $100,000 a year. And that's that's a position that com- now combines multiple duties. It used to be a smaller job, and now apparently that person does a whole lot more. So I don't know what jobs they put together to make that, but it, it is a big jump. And But it's also a situation where no matter how they can rationalize it, no matter how much you look at the numbers and you say, okay, we can make sense, is that a bit of political tone deafness? Uh, namely, Hancock was one of the individuals that uh, voted to support uh, pay increases for uh, city council members and other elected officials, which during – the actual mayoral campaign they got a lot of heat for. Oh, he got blasted. And uh, now there comes this, and it's just, uh, you know, the type of thing that is just sets him up to get a lot of criticism. Um, and then, of course, there was this a very needless uh, negative story that occurred when uh, they put down this law or this rule about um, media and recording. Right. I mean, I, I was going to ask you about that because you've you've been to those sort of press conferences before, those meetings with the mayor where he's sitting down and he's trying to have sort of a casual conversation with, with the press. And he's now saying, I'd love to chat with you guys. Just you can't bring tape recorders or cameras. How would, I mean, how would that feel to you? Well, well, first of all, it's any media. And I think this, this got a lot of uh, coverage from different media outlets and there was a lot of outrage among um you know television stations were picking this up is he trying to censor the media why is he doing this like like any of these television stations would actually be going down and sitting and talking right, to the mayor okay. anyway and, and the thing to keep in mind is this you know they sort of say they're they're having these dictates on the media well there's only literally one city hall reporter left in the entire goddamn city 
you know, we were talking about one guy that <laughs> okay. would potentially be going to these things from the Denver Post. Ten years ago, there would there would have been um, from various newspapers five, six, seven people whose job it was just to cover City Hall and the city of Denver. Yeah, but, now there's one guy left. But is that but is that because that one guy can take a tape recorder and then bring it back to his intern and then let his intern transcribe everything? Hancock's people didn't really give any justification for why that they wanted this, but you can assume, yeah, that's the case. They you don't want to you know, have a recording device uh, there in the room, and then the mayor is just trying to have a casual conversation, something to be recorded, taken out of context, and then thrown up on YouTube. But um, as the you know Denver Post pointed out after the uh, the administration sort of stepped back from that uh, dictate, they yeah, they, so out, they well, did they backed down. They did this. back down okay. sort of immediately. Yeah. They said, okay, well we're, we won't just have this rule about you can only bring a pen and paper into these meetings. And it's that you just really can't control the media in that way anymore. I mean, it's not like we, they'd be lugging in huge recording devices or uh, 25-pound cameras like they would have had to do uh, 20 years ago. Right now, it's like everyone, you know, your, your cell phone has recording devices on it. My cell phone, you know, that that's actually what I use usually when I'm going to, to – do interviews now with people, and of course, I let them know that I'm recording them. I don't, I don't hide it, but I right. could easily hide it. And what would you do? Would you sort of confiscate everybody's phone as they walked in? And, Check your phones at the door. Yeah, it's yeah. So, so bizarre. And, and, and they step back from that, but I, but it's a kind of another indication for me of like, well, what's really going on here? Are these just kind of rookie mistakes that the administration is is pulling in terms of dealing with the media? Or does this suggest a larger problem with with Hancock and something that is going to cause him issues throughout his term? Oh, I mean, it's it's so hard to tell. I mean, if you look at him, definitely he's definitely green as far as being mayor. You can tell he's struggling to fit into that position. I almost get the sense that he didn't ever expect to be there. Uh, that he was he just got sort of pushed into it. And when Isidro Mejia didn't make it, then he went he went somewhere else. And so I said the wrong name. Not James Mejia. James Mejia. James you said Mejia. Mejia. I had I said Mejia. I said Isidro. That's a totally different guy <laughs> okay, that got okay. nails in his head in LA. Long story. Oh, huh. Anyway, uh when James Mejia didn't get elected, I think Michael Hancock went, Whoa, really? <laughs> and, yeah. and he was yeah. sort of shocked that that happened. And and now he's having to deal with the reality of being mayor. And I don't Well I don't I, what I don't understand is that may be the case, but it's not like he's a total political rookie. I mean, he was the, a city council member for, I don't know, at least uh, eight, eight years, maybe six mm-hmm. years, president of the city council. You know, I had interviewed him lots of times. I mean, he's always had a very um, cordial relationship with, at least with me. He's never been um, one who doesn't answer questions or is sort of cagey um, about answering questions, and there's a lot of people – within city government right now, elected officials that are like that. So I don't really know where he's getting his advice. And what's even more baffling about it is that he comes straight within the shadow and and is getting a lot of consultation and support from former mayor Wellington Webb. Right. And, and so why don't, why isn't there that type of um, political wisdom being passed down? Um, I will tell you that one thing, when I first saw the thing about the political appointees getting higher pay, that is a story that you would have almost expected to have seen in the Wellington Webb era. So you know, okay. are we sort of returning to the days of, of uh, Wellington Webb where there were a lot of accusations and suggestions of cronyism and um, inside politics? I, I don't know. All right. Well, maybe. Uh, though that's, that's my question. It, either he's 
he's a he's a rookie as a mayor, and I I think there's a major distinction between the positions he's had politically before and the mayor of Denver. The mayor of Denver is seriously under a, a huge microscope compared to everybody else. So the things he used to be able to get away with when he was smaller in Colorado politics, I don't think he can do anymore. And he's realized that and it's kind of freaking him out. But it's either that or he's a genius. And that's the reason why he's paying off a million dollars is because he's taking care of the people that are really going to yeah. take care of him later on. Because ultimately, we're just going to sit around and bitch about it. I'm also considering the idea that it's not so much that Hancock is making a bunch of rookie mistakes and that's surprising us now it's that in comparison to his predecessor john hickenlooper he just looks bad so meaning that we've just we've just gotten used to eight years previously of having someone who pretty much was able to sidestep and not make a lot of these negative news stories come up and you can even see that right now in his um job as governor where he has amazing approval ratings for a democrat in sort of a purple state and in a recession where he's had to make a bunch of budget cuts and and, he, people and everybody's still, still somehow happy i know yeah well yeah he he had a tough act to follow for sure so hancock was screwed anybody that got elected in the mayor position was going to be having a hard time coming into that seat Let's move on to our next topic, and uh, this has to do, you know, let's bring it back to sports. The Broncos season is about to start up, uh, but too bad uh, none of us here on the diatribe really give a shit about pro football or any any sort of the large uh, sporting teams that seem to obsess everyone else in Denver. But I feel bad because we, we should talk about Um, athletics and competition in the Mile High City in Colorado. So I thought, let's throw out some other sports that we will be paying attention to while everyone else in Denver is is, uh, watching football. Well, okay. I I do have one legitimate one that's new. It's really cool. The USA Pro Cycling Challenge. It's really lame that it doesn't have Colorado in the name, but it is really cool that they're bringing back this stage-style race. It's sort of like the Tour de France. That It's like the Tour of Colorado that's coming here. It's going to be here on the 22nd. It was a big project of Governor Ritter when he was wrapping up his term. That's right. I remember he was, he was trading blood transfusions with Lance Armstrong <laughs> and that sort of thing to make it all happen. And now it's coming through, and it's it's going to be here the 22nd and 28th. I'm really excited. I'm, I'm going to try so to watch it. And so where does it actually travel? It, it's all over. It's like a, it's like the Tour de France where they sort of start in one place and stop in another, and then they get in cars overnight, and they go somewhere else, and they start again. It's running all over the whole state, uh, and then it'll eventually end here in Denver. So I think it's going to be pretty cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes. There are only 128 cyclists, so it's a pretty small event. But I think it's going to grow in future years. And there used to be one called the Coors Light Classic, which was a huge, sort of yep, famous yep. race. The movie American Flyers sort of pretended that race was still going on. That was the topic of that movie back in the 80s. So that was sort of a famous race back then, and they're sort of bringing it back. So that's pretty exciting for me. Beyond that, I mean, the Gorilla Run, the Denver Gorilla Run, which okay. is the, cool. the Mountain Gorilla Conservation Fund, they get 1,000 people dressed up in gorilla suits right around Halloween, and you go for a little 5K running around in your gorilla suit, and then you drink beer at the wine coop. One event, or at least sport, that I want to bring attention to, mostly because I just learned that it existed, comes from an article in the Denver Post today where they're talking about the sport known as pack burrow racing. Uh, <laughs> nice. There's apparently okay. yeah. a 
one of uh, the members of the General Assembly is trying to get pack burrow racing named as Colorado's official summer sport. I don't know how he's official, going to – Official uh, summer sport. Official summer sport it, 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 because skiing and snowboarding was named a few years ago as the official winter sport. Oh. So it only makes sense to name pack burrow racing, <laughs> burrow which, racing. which is just – about as popular as skiing and snowboarding in Colorado. But apparently uh, this pack burrow racing, it, you know, of course, has its roots in, the, um, in mining in right, Colorado. Right. And it's really big in fair play, I guess. And you actually bring your burrows and you can, uh, you know, have to go through all types of different courses. I, I don't really know. I was looking for, like, a website for the Pack Burrow Racing Association of Colorado. I couldn't really find it. So if anyone... You, you should have been looking under brand names. It's it's probably something. <laughs> it's probably, like, uh, Pepsi Presents, Pack Burrow Racing Colorado. Oh, that, there we go. Didn't realize that. Another one I want to uh, bring attention to is the Porks and Hops Challenge. What the hell is that? It's going on September 9th and 10th in Grand Junction, and it's actually a professional barbecuing competition. Oh, okay. Where teams are going to compete for uh, $20,000 to make the uh, best barbecue. And it actually looks like a pretty fun event. They have a bunch of, like, beer and um, barbecue, but there's a, you know, a serious, serious competition and some serious money. Wow, sweet. $20,000 to... Uh... To make a good barbecue, huh? I can do that. All right. Let's give it a shot. All right. Eat some barbecue, bring some... your pack burrow, and watch some bicycling. Perfect. Uh, I'm, I'm up for it. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. We are, we are just fucking sports fanatics on <laughs> this, uh, this podcast. Can you feel us sweating as we have to talk about sports? All right. So, uh, Ron, let's move on to our love and hate section. There's only two of us, so this should go pretty quick. What do you want to love on or hate on this week? Um, I, ha- I, I want to love on uh, 23rd Avenue and Dexter. The, you, want to lo- you want to love on an intersection? <laughs> I want to love on an intersection. So it, it's No, it's... you don't need to explain. Just say, <laughs> just say that. We'll just end it right there and we'll move on. I was on the street corner the other night. And magic happened. No, it, it, 23rd Avenue and Dexter, it's that, it's that little spot uh, in Park Hill where there's the Cherry Tomato and Adagio Bakery and the Spinelli's Market. They've got this little tiny like postage stamp of a park and a playground. And I was, I was there today during the Ciclovia and stopped. And I was, you know, I love my neighborhood where I live. I'm sort of southeast. I feel like I live in the UN, but... I was having some neighborhood envy, so I got to love on Twenty Third and Dexter. Go check it out. Okay. And and then I and then I have to uh, just a little hate on the on the blue Volvo that was blocking the Cherry Creek bike path today. I'm gonna get you, guy. I'm gonna get you. I'm coming for you. Uh, that, that, that that's a good one. The blue the blue Volvo. Blue Volvo. We'll keep an eye. You on are that blocking one. traffic. Please move your car. I want to love on the fact that um, Denver's Slam poetry team has won the. Uh, won the national title in the recent slam poetry competition. They won again. Awesome. You want to talk about uh, random uh, competitions that uh, people should be paying attention to? to. Well, Denver's uh, slam poetry team uh, is definitely one of them because they're apparently really good. They keep winning. Uh, Denver's slam team is amazing. Awesome. I I have a former student that was on one of the slam teams that went a couple years ago. They're really, really good. They're a lot of fun. Go on Sunday nights to the Mercury Cafe and check them out when when they're practicing right before uh, the national competition. It's, it's really fun to watch. All right. And so listeners out there, tell us what are the unique uh, Colorado sports that uh, you're going to be paying attention to this year. 
and uh, tell us on our Facebook page, our Twitter page. Uh, you can find that information at denverdiatribe.com. You can also email us at info at So for uh, Ron Doyle, I'm Jared Jacquet Mayor, and we are out. That's why I'm saying, oh, it's it, oh.